0: All right, you ready? I've got some controversial statements to make. All right. Pepsi is better than Coke. All right, I said it, fight me. All right, Wendy's is better than McDonald's and Burger King. Hands down. And here's the one that really gonna get some people mad. iPhone is better than Android and it's not even close. Amen? (laughs) But here's the thing look, Jesus is better than everything. There's nothing in this world that I could say that I could put up against Jesus where Jesus wouldn't win out every single time. We're going to open the book of Colossians this morning and we're going to go through the next four weeks and the main thrust of this book is that Christ is better than everything. There's nothing that you need in this life more than Jesus. There is nothing that could help you today, right now, more than Jesus. And there is nothing more important than Jesus. Today, as we look at this letter written by Paul to this church in Colossae, we're going to see the supremacy of Christ. How many of y'all like supreme pizza? Now, the rest of you are wrong. It has everything. And that's what that word means. Supreme has everything. And it's better than everything. And Jesus has everything. And it's better than everything. Jesus has everything you need. So Colossians is this letter from Paul written to this church in Colossae. Now, this uh, would be in modern-day Turkey. But Paul didn't start this church. It was started by a co-worker, Epaphras. In fact, Paul had never even been to this church before. And Paul writes this letter in prison, most likely in Rome during the same stay that he would have wrote the letters to the Ephesians and the Philippians and the letter to Philemon. But Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel. And I don't know about you, but if I was in prison today for doing God's work and what God told me to do, I would probably not be in the mood to try and encourage anybody else and exhort anybody else. I, I almost can guarantee you I would be sitting in a prison cell complaining about how no one was trying to encourage me and how I, I'm this leader of the church and I'm in prison for doing what's right and why am I not getting more visits and why aren't people caring about me? But Paul, instead of getting stuck in the depression and grief of his situation, he decides, I'm going to encourage some other people. But Paul sees that the success of the church is the hope of the world. And he knows that life is so much bigger than him and his comfort. And he writes this letter to people that he's never met to encourage them and to correct them about some things. And Paul has his best friend there with him, his co-worker Timothy as well. So you can open your Bibles to Colossians 1, uh, verse 1. You can pull up the app. It has all the verses right there in it. And it says this, Paul, with his introduction. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this, you have heard before in the words of truth, the gospel. Paul says, hey, you don't know me, but I'm sent of Jesus by the will of God to tell people about Him. And Paul says, I've heard of you. I've heard about your story and how much you love Jesus and his people. And we pray for you. We pray for you to have peace and grace in your life. And we've also heard about your faith. And Paul says, I know from the evidence that I have heard through the account of Epaphras that this church in Colossae are genuine followers of Jesus. He's excited to know them. He's excited to be able to pray for them. He heard about this church he had never known. And we see the faith and love and hope here in these verses. Now, that's important because faith, hope, and love are not just barnwood signs that you can find at Hobby Lobby. No, this is the big three from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide. But the greatest of these is love. Our lives should be grounded in a faith in Jesus and a hope for the future and a love for people. And these are all reactions to the gospel. He goes on in verse five. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. And what is it doing? It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Here he says the gospel when it is lived out, the gospel when it is loved and uh, when it is growing inside of us produces fruit. Just like the seeds inside of a fruit have the power to duplicate. Many of you might have carved pumpkins in the last few weeks, and you got to scoop out the grossest stuff in the world, right? And it's all these seeds, and those seeds have power to reproduce. And here he's saying the gospel has multiplying power, because salvation changes you, and the gospel can change the world. And they were preaching the message of Jesus in their spheres of influence, and it was working. Changing them and changing those around them. Now, Paul starts off, and this is always a good way if you're ever having a tough conversation with somebody, always start off with what they're doing that is right, right? Even if you have to really scrape the bottom of the barrel to find something. You know, you are great at breathing, uh, you are staying alive. Good job. But then you get to the hard stuff, right? And now Paul has some, he's noticed some real, genuine things that they had done that are right. Now he must warn them about some things that they are doing that are wrong. See, Paul's reason to write this letter is that there was heresy creeping into the church. And what they were doing is they were adding to the simplicity of the gospel. So Paul is calling them to remember the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus. Colossians is important because it talks about the supremacy of Christ and that Jesus is all we need and that Jesus is better than everything. Christ did all the work to get us to God. See, Paul had heard some things that worried him about this church. It seemed like they were always searching for more, adding aspects of other religions to their own. Michael DeFazio says this about Colossians. He said, Paul is telling the people in Colossae that they don't need more of what they don't have. They need more of what they already have, which is Jesus. They need more Jesus. And in chapter 2, Paul goes on, and we'll see that next week, uh, uh, and warns them about adding to their faith faith. These Christians, of Colossae, were taking part of other religions like Judaism or pagan religions and adding it to their faith. And Paul is telling them, hey, Christ is enough. You don't need anything more. Verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as... To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Check out this last part. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul loved these people and he was praying for them. He was praying that they would have spiritual wisdom in a confusing world. He prayed that they would walk in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord and he prays again that they would bear fruit in their lives of good work. See, fruit is a tangible thing. Fruit helps others. Because fruit is also proof of where a, what type of tree that fruit comes from, right? If you have an orange tree, you're going to get an orange. If you have an apple tree, you're going to get an apple. Now, good works don't save you. But they are evidence of your faith. And if we are healthy, we will bear fruit. And good works in a Christian's life should be tangible as well. Things that you can see. And your works should help others and feed others. And it's proof of whose child you are. Healthy trees bear fruit and healthy Jesus followers bear faith and hope and love. Paul prays for them to have strength in a difficult world. And endurance when things get gets hard. And he he is walking that out in his life right now in prison. And he reminds them to be thankful for all the things that God has done for them. He's teaching them right now how to go through hardship. And he says, look, be thankful for what God's done for you. He reminds them of the light of the gospel that's been put inside of us. So that we would take that gospel out into this dark world. And he reminds them that Jesus rescued you out of the kingdom of darkness and made us children of light, and Christ is greater than anything, and he did all the work. J.B. Lightfoot says this about this epistle to the Colossians. He says, The doctrine of the person of Christ is here stated with greater precision and fullness than in any of other of Paul's epistles. And this next portion uh, portion of Scripture is one of the most beautiful poems ever written. And it's all about the supremacy of Christ. In verse 15, it says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the picture of God that we cannot see. The firstborn of all creation. That doesn't mean that Jesus was created. It means he is above everyone else. For by him were all things created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He's saying here Jesus is the originator of everything. He's better than everything, and he himself has made everything. And it goes on, it says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus rescued you because he made you and he values you. And you were made with a purpose to give God praise. You were made by him and for him, for his glory. Next it says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He holds everything together. Without him, all the molecules in the world wouldn't even exist. And even if they did exist, they would just be crashing against each other and floating around in chaos. But Jesus holds all matter together. Every planet in orbit was hung by him and stays where he tells it. The side note here is, you know, the earth is in this, they call it the Goldilocks zone, right? Where it's not too hot and it's not too cold. We're right, the right amount closeness to the sun. And that's because we are here because he put us here. And look, this morning, if you're in that place where you feel like you can't hold it all together, remember, you don't have to. Jesus holds it all together. In him, all things hold together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That means he is resurrected first, right? He, he rose himself up from the grave. And because we are followers of him and we put our faith in him, we will be resurrected again once, uh, in, in the future. Next it says that in everything he might be. Be preeminent. That's that word supreme, right? He might be preeminent before everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Everything that was broken in the Garden of Eden is being reconciled back to God and to Christ, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, put your name in right there, and you and Phil, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Why? He's reconciled us. He's bought us back. He's made us his own in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which Paul says, I became minister. We were far away from God. We had no hope but Jesus made peace. He brought us near through his blood. He, uh, we were once evildoers, but he rescued us. He is preeminent. He is supreme, fully God and fully man. He is the peacemaker. He brought us close through his blood and through his sacrificial death on the cross. He rescued us. And this is the great exchange He took my sin and gave me his holiness. And if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, now you stand blameless before him. Jesus is greater than everything. Next, Paul warns them not to shift away from the hope of the gospel. You may be tempted to add things to your faith, humans tend to do that right it's too easy this this gospel where i put my faith in the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ and he covers my sin it's just too simple i've got to add some things to it i've got to dress it up i've got to add some rules we like to make things complicated you ever tried to you know decide where you're going to go out to eat right We like to make things complicated. Have you ever tried to plan an event with 50 other people? We like to make things complicated. We like to add traditions to our faith. And we hold things up as sacred simply because we've done them for a long time. And all those things are lesser. We must have hope and lift up the gospel. And the gospel alone, Christ is enough. We're also tempted to add experiences to our faith, right? We can get caught up in that feeling of wanting more in our faith. And and that's good. We, We should want more. But sometimes we're tempted to be pushed towards things that are experiential. To add experiences. Things that stir up feelings in us. But having religious experiences are not necessarily proof that something's true. Experience is not the test of doctrine. We don't get our doctrine from what we feel. Strange occurrences and tingles down our neck and things too perfect for coincidence, that stuff can happen. But we don't build our faith on those things. We must build our life on the truth of God's word and his word alone. And if we find something in God's word and, and we're not twisting it or, or contradicting other strip, scriptures with it, then let's do it and let's hold on to it so tightly. But if it's not in his word, we've got to hold those things loosely. Those are not the things that we should, uh, you know, the hill that we should die on. If it's in here, that's enough. We don't have to add anything more. There's plenty in here that I'm not doing. We don't need more things. And if we we find something in here, let's do it. But if it's not in there, let's hold it loosely. And we've seen that throughout church history where uh, crazes pop up and people get excited about things. In the 1990s, there was this big push for laughing churches. And what they would do is uh, the whole congregation would just hysterically laugh for like an hour. And they they thought that was a sign of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit had shown up, and I'm sure it was fun. you ever just gotten that you know where you're like it's late and you're just like giggling with with for no reason and I'm I, you know laughter re- releases dopamine, it makes us feel good. but is that proof that that's something that God wants us to do? There's other Places in our country where people uh, handle snakes, right? I don't want anything to do with that. And I'm sure, look, I'm sure holding a cobra gets your adrenaline pumping, right? It probably makes you feel alive. And if you live through it, maybe it is a miracle. (laughs) And that makes sense that that would get you feeling some certain way, but that's not proof that that's something that God has called us to do. We must beware of putting our hope in things other than the simple gospel of the cross. Jesus in my place. Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. That is enough. Christ alone should be our motto. Even when I don't feel it. And even when I'm in a prison of trials and tribulations like Paul is right here. Christ is supreme. Christ is preeminent. Christ holds it all together. Christ is greater than everything. And Christ is our only hope in a hopeless world. So let's go out and tell people in our sphere of influence about that hope. You are a missionary to your work, to your neighborhood, to your friends. Jesus is the sermon and you are the preacher. So in this letter to this church in Colossae, Paul points us towards the sufficiency of Christ. Christ is enough. Then he points back to who we are without him. We used to be in the domain of darkness, but now we are children of light. So act like it. Be different. Paul's reminding this church in Colossae not to get lured away from the gospel by temporary things. We never graduate past the gospel. We only push it deeper into the dark parts of our hearts. We don't need something more. We just need more Jesus. Jesus was enough for the early church, and they spread that gospel all around the world. And Jesus is enough for you. Christ is supreme. He holds it all together, and he can hold you together today. No matter what you're suffering through, So here's the question. Is Christ supreme in my life? What else goes in front of him? Who gets first place? Paul's in prison as he writes this letter to the church at Colossae to tell them. He's saying, even as I'm suffering for doing what is right, I am not shaken. Christ is greater than everything. Christ holds it all together. And he can hold you together today. Jesus is supreme. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as the Richmond's come once again. Who has first place in your life? Is it work, family, some type of leisure activity, sports? Who gets first place? What is the thing that trumps everything else? The only thing that is worth it, and the only thing that will last, and the only thing that can hold up the weight of your soul is Jesus. Everything else will disappoint you. Everything else will crumble uh, if you put your whole hope in it. Jesus is supreme, and Jesus can hold it all together today. Let's take a minute as Josh just plays quietly. Let's investigate our hearts. What's the thing that gets first place? Our mind always drifts towards the urgent, but the urgent and the most important are not always the same thing. There's other things that scream for our attention. But quietly, we know Christ is better than anything. What do we need to rearrange this morning to put Jesus on top? Talked about this morning having our hope in Jesus Christ. Maybe that's not really where you're at. Yeah, You're here today, so that means you're okay with church on some level, but maybe you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Maybe you're still hanging on to good works or some experience you had in the past. The Bible tells us, uh, tells us that we... Are sinners it means we don't obey the laws that God has passed down to us and we 've all thought wicked thoughts and we've said wicked things and we 've hurt people that God has created and this caused a separation between us and God just like it did in the beginning with Adam and Eve. the Bible tells us the wages of our sin is That's so much more than just a physical death. That's death in a place called hell. Separation from God for all eternity. God gives us a free will. And you have a choice this morning. You can accept the gift of Jesus Christ on the cross. Or you can choose to pay the penalty of your sin yourself. See... Romans five eight says that God commended His love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. Jesus in my place. Christ died for me. Romans ten thirteen says, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." You could call out to God right now, realizing you're a sinner understanding and believing that Jesus paid the penalty of your sin and putting all your faith in Jesus Christ that he's enough and that he is supreme words aren't important when you call out to God he knows your heart but you could call out to him this morning with something like this dear Jesus I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin, I deserve hell. God, forgive me. I put all my faith in what you did on the cross to save me. Turning from everything else I hold on to, and I realize that you are enough Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If that's you this morning, I'd love for you to write down on your connection card, I chose Jesus. If you're watching online and that's you, reach out to me, reach out to the church Facebook and said, I chose Jesus, because I'd love to be able to follow up with you and to talk about that big decision, that awesome decision that you made today. Jesus, we love you so much. As we sing, I pray you are glorified above all else. And in this moment, God, I pray we put you on the very top of our mind and lift you up. We're not thinking about what other people think. We're not thinking about what happens next today or who's playing football or food. God, we put you on the top. You are supreme and preeminent. God, I pray you be worshiped and lifted up higher than anything else. In your name we pray. Amen.